Hey, I'm Bruce Franks Jr. Hi, I'm Martin Zub. Hi, my name is Joshua Damas. I'm Kelvin Harrison Jr. from the High Note. Star of St. Louis Superman. Re-recording Mixta on Beastie Boy Story. I'm the director of Quebec City, and you are listening to ContraZoom. And you are listening to ContraZoom. And you're listening to ContraZoom. This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault. The 93rd Academy Awards just occurred, with Nomadland winning Best Picture, Director, and Actress, making it the most winning film of the ceremony in Hollywood's new top film for the year. The ceremony, which was held at Los Angeles Union Station instead of the usual Dolby Theater, with a much smaller audience and a revamped format, all while attendees were almost completely maskless. Joining me to talk about the winners, losers, and how badly I did in my prediction ballot is film critic Tom Ernst. You might remember Tom from last year when he came on episode 99, the 2020 Oscar recap, and you more likely know him for his work on the film review site Original Sin, his podcast This Movie's About You, and the host of TVO's Saturday Night at the Movies. Welcome back, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, that's a great intro. I'm going to correct you on one small thing. Uh, sure. I'm not, I'm, I've known, I'm put aside uh, This Movie's About You, but it's still up. People should listen to it. Thank you for the plug. But I got a new podcast called uh, Rewind Fast Forward with the Kingston uh, Canadian Film Festival. Uh, and oh, excellent. Yeah, it's it's really a lot of fun. And we talk to Canadian directors, et cetera. Uh, uh, so that's up. And that, that's that's the one that, um, yeah, that's one I would push people to see here. Excellent. Yes, I'll make sure I include that in the show notes and I'll, I'll promote that out so people check that out for sure. And my apologies for missing that. No, 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 no. Now, it's interesting talking about Canadian festivals because I actually saw you pop up on my TV screen earlier last year during uh, Cinefest Sudbury. I was mm. watching My Salinger Year and the movie ended and all of a sudden they said, stay tuned for a Q&A with director Philippe Fellardou and you showed up on my screen interviewing him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a fun interview. Uh, uh, did you enjoy it? Because uh, there was that little bit, I think they kept it in, uh, where I reminded him that we had a hamburger together. And Philippe said, well, I remember the hamburger. I don't remember you. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been one memorable hamburger then. Oh, I know. But uh, I really enjoyed that. That, uh, and, and then we did a few others. We did, you know, because, because the pandemic, uh, uh, the festivals didn't stop. And I have a good relationship with both Kingston Canadian Film Festival and Cinefest Sunbury. So they had me doing a lot of uh, uh, Zoom interviews like that. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and uh, and I hope to see more of you on my screen uh, during different festivals as well as they continue to still be online. Oh, there you go. Well, keep your camera on. You never know when I'll pop up. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about the Oscars, and uh, I'm curious, uh, did you get a chance to see a lot of the Oscar nominees, just the big ones? What, what were you, your confidence level as far as being aware of the movies? Well, my confidence level is, is the same as it always has been and the same as everyone's is, whether you see the films or not, because uh, it, you really don't need to see the movies to try to accurately judge who's going to win, because there's no point system. 
right? Mm-hmm. There, there's no, there's no, there's no marking. Even a gymnastics routine, not even, sorry, uh, but a gymnastics routine or any any sport that is visual and does. And I use gymnastics because there's a certain amount of um, degree of personal opinion going in there to to decipher whether the the the, the outcome was worthy of the marks. And uh, but there's there's not a point system or certain things that you have to hit to make a winning film. So my competence level to answer part of your question is the same as it's always been, uh, you know, feeble at best. Uh, and my uh, the amount of films that I watched connected to the festival, I think I think I saw probably most of them, and that is because of the year we had. Um, there, there were fewer films and a fewer films of note that really sort of rose up and said, you got to see this, you know, so there's movies that I might have ignored promising young woman, for example, if I hadn't heard of the, you know, the, the, everyone's saying, you got to check this movie out. Um, so this year I did better on my personal ballot, uh, simply because there are less films to choose from. And, uh, I, I sort of did a. Uh, you know, I, I did say there aren't points to hit, but there are certain points I guess you can look at if you want to have a better guess. And mm-hmm. that is, um, you know, what's the star's reputation? Have they done things to put them, uh, you know, make people mad in Hollywood? What is, uh, you know, what's the theme? Is it a theme that Hollywood voters like? That That kind of thing. But it's still just a guessing game. Yeah, and I feel like this year, this past year more than any, because of theaters not being opened and, and so many different films being sold to streaming services, if you had uh, a combination of a Netflix subscription, Amazon Prime, and Disney+, Plus, you had the ability to watch almost all of the nominated films because they all eventually made it to those streaming services. Obviously, there's some that, that never did and some that was like, if you're in the U.S., it made it to only Hulu or things like that or HBO Max, what have you. There's some ones that are a bit outliers, but if you had one of those three subscriptions, you could see a good chunk of the nominees, which is a first for a lot of people. Oh yeah. And at your own time, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I didn't have to, I mean, part of it too, is that I'm not saying let's go back to theaters and, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing things like, uh, uh, is it called into the Heights? Uh, and, Mm -hmm. uh, the new, the new West side story, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing those on the big screen. More so than the action films, although I've always enjoyed the Fast and Furious films mm-hmm. on the big screen. Um, but smaller films like Promising Young Woman and No Man Land and stuff like that, um, seeing those on the small screen at your leisure was really helpful. And so if somebody said, oh, did you see Manira?" Um, uh, and I go, I haven't yet, uh, and I go to the theaters and it's no longer there, I, you know, it's, I, I could stream it and, and it's, um, it was very convenient. Plus being an insomniac, you know, this is, these are, <laughs> these are great ways to sort of spend your time uh, instead of just tossing and turning. So. Mm-hmm. Well, for the second year in a row, I did complete a hundred percent of, of all the nominees. It was so much easier this year than it has been in any other year. So I was very happy about that. And of course it's one of those things where the more movies you see, the less you actually know. <laughs> I felt like I was very strong and confident with a lot of my predictions. And then, you know, of course, all that goes out the window with someone who's only seen two of the films. <laughs> and yeah, it's amazing how that happens. I mm-hmm. remember once winning a, a, a soccer pool 
and I've never watched a game in my life. And boy, <laughs> I tell you, sports fans who really do set up a chart and, you know, get things all out, and I guessed. And the only we, we reason I won that, I know why I'm talking soccer, but it's just the sometimes the less informed you are, the luckier you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you understand, you know, oh, Brazil's a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Italy is usually decent. England never makes it far. There we go. I, I know yeah, just there enough. You go. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. And it, was, and, it, and it was players, too, I had to pick. And there was only one name I recognized. I figured, well, he's got to be. He's got to be good. Right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, I was curious about, did you have any preferences for, for who you wanted to win Best Picture out of the eight nominees? I would have loved to have seen um, Promising Young Woman win. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a really powerful film. As a father of a, a, of a young you know, girl, teenager, it, it seemed to me something I wanted to show her. Uh, you know, you, you, again... The movie just spoke on on such a different level. She was a difficult character to like the the, uh, the main protagonist. Yet you could empathize with her, and and it was just a really important film, and it was so entertaining, so mm-hmm. entertaining. And then people who decried that the film was sexist, anti men, it, it rang to me a little bit untrue. It it rang to me in the same way that people say all lives matter, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just missing the point of that film. So I would have liked to have seen that. However, Nomadland, it it was an easy win for me. Uh, You know, it was, it was America. It was America pared down to the the whole sort of, um, and yet like it, it, it pared down economic system to a group of people that a lot of America is becoming uh, of people who got sort of left out, pushed out, or um, otherwise lost everything. Uh, and so that movie sort of was a really positive uh, spin on, on something that's, you know, really not positive. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to see that film win. Um, I also thought The Father was um, a surprisingly good movie. I was not expecting to get into this film. I so love this movie because of the way of the writing. And of course, Hopkins' performance was stunning. And I've always absolutely loved uh, watching uh, uh, Olivia Coleman. I think that she uh, knocks it out of the park every time. And I thought, okay, it's going to be a film where those two pieces, those two performances rule the, rule the picture. But the picture was written, or the script was written in such a way that it was able to display or illustrate uh, a disease, uh, Alzheimer's in this case, uh, in a way that I don't think it has ever been depicted. It had a little bit of M. Night Shyamalan in it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know it. If I had the name in front of me, I can say it. Shyamalan, yes. (laughs) Yeah, there was a little (laughs) bit of a, a, a kind of his twist in there. Um, that that astounded me, and and um, I absolutely love. So, any three of those pictures, if they had won, would have been great. Uh, and mm-hmm. one of them did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. I, this was a year where normally I find myself indifferent to several of the best picture nominees, and, and other than Mank, which I enjoyed, but I, I would not say I loved in any. No, sense. it wasn't best picture material. 
No, no, not by a long shot. But the other seven nominees, I, I had a hard time. I would have had a hard time being angry at any of the other seven winning if that was the case, where I could see that they all had their merits for me. Yeah. You know, Manira is worth talking about, too, on that level, because I, I, I left that out. But it was the kind of film I would have seen with my folks as a kid. A big scope movie, and particularly about immigrants, because uh, there, there is always that sort of... Um, if, if, you have, if you're moved to do, be this way, and I think most people are, where you want to see the underdog, and I don't think there's anything wrong with calling that family the underdog in this particular situation, um, win. And the fact that they have such other strong ties in there um, just really elevated that movie to, to a to a, a level that was really uh, an experience rather than just a story, right? And uh, so it, it had the same kind of elements that made Places in the Heart, uh, you know, considered a classic. And uh, uh, Raisin, no, not so much Raisin the Sun, but uh, The Good Earth, I think far better than The Good Earth. Um, uh, but that's another movie. I, wouldn't, I would not have been disappointed. I would have been shocked. Mm-hmm. But I would have been shocked with a big smile on my face. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. That, w- that was my number one pick, but my, very close behind that was, was the father, promising young woman. They all like, they, it was a, a pretty strong slate overall. And I think it just really had to do with the fact that, you know, as much as I love Spielberg and Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson, and you know, all these big budget prestige directors, Denis Villeneuve, all these guys who normally have these big prestige films, None of them were, were eligible. And so we that allowed us to have, you know, a sound of metal, a promising young woman, a Minari to be able to be in the same conversation and truly be celebrated for the best films of the year. You have raised a very good point. So I'm going to ask you a question if that's okay. Sure. So yep. do you think this will change the face of the Oscars then? And or was that a question you had for me that you're going to ask me down the line? No, no. I think that's a good thing to think about. I do unfortunately think it's maybe a bit of a one-off. I know, I know that the the academy as a whole, the the, the members that, that are involved in the academy, they're trying very hard to not just be uh, old white straight men, and so they're doing a, a great job of, of getting more people of color, more women involved, younger people involved, and so I think there's going to be some slow demographic shifts as far as the types of movies that get nominated and maybe even win, but I think. The Academy as a whole, especially like every year, I think it's Vanity Fair publishes those anonymous Oscar ballots. And every year you you, you slap your head against a wall and you go, these people are in charge of handing out these awards. What is wrong with these voters? And they talk about how they didn't see any of them and they only went with one because they recognized that their friend was a producer on it or some nonsense like that. And so I think that's still unfortunately going to be a large portion of, of Oscar voters. Does this mean that maybe we'll get stuff like Sound of Metal Minari and Promising Young Woman, the, the sort of smaller, slow burning, edgier films that really take a unique look at, at humanity? I really hope so. But like, all, all we have to do is look at all the movies that were pushed from last year to this year and, and go, what, are they going to ignore Dune? Are they going to ignore The French Dispatch? Are they going to ignore In the Heights, West Side Story, uh, whatever PTA calls his new movie? I and, know. Why and... doesn't he tell us? But okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know because about? apparently it's about the making of A Star is Born. No the, kidding. Uh, oh, it's about a kid actor too, right? 
Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's about the producer of A Star Is Born, the um, uh, the, the Barbara Streisand version. So oh, Bradley okay. Cooper is playing the producer of that movie. That's what it sounds like. Okay, because I, I read something about a child actor. It's like a child actor in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But with a P.T. Ander, Anderson movie, um, there could be – it could be about four things. Yes. Uh, yes. So anyway, I don't want to distract you. You're on a really good point. Yes, you bring up P.T. Anderson. I had that question, so – Oh, he he always makes me tingle too. Uh, but yeah, all all those movies I mentioned, plus a, a bunch more. That what's that? Probably going to be at least three, maybe four of the Oscar nominations for Best mm-hmm. Picture, and and then suddenly you're, you're you're taking out some of those smaller films because you know stuff like Mank and, and Trial of Chicago Seven. While they were Netflix movies, they're still fairly you know big budget, prestige type of films. When you get names like David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin involved, mm-hmm. and so there you go, you got like six or seven of the nominees, and then you're left with maybe two or three of the smaller ones, which is where you get your your Moonlights and and films like that. And Nomadland, I think, would have made the cut regardless. Mm-hmm. But how likely are we to get this slate of, of some really great, smaller, diverse films? And and that I don't think is really going to move forward, at least not on a year over year basis of a big change like this one. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Um, there's no way you're going to be able to ignore those big films. Uh, um, and, that, and a lot of the movies that were like sound of sound of battle was a movie. I don't think would, would have come up maybe best actor mm-hmm. in any other year maybe um uh, and certainly in sound entity it would have come up but uh the, the amount of tension it got last night just i don't think would have happened um, mm-hmm. i do want to say mank i have to say that's a ridiculous thing of course i don't have to say it i just have the opportunity <laughs> to say um what a letdown fincher who is a great director the subject, the era, all of that is so, like, it, there's so much to do with that. And I don't know why Fincher dropped the ball on that. And it feels to me like he really did drop the ball. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I can think that seems to be the case is he seemed to be so committed to his father's screenplay. And that, unfortunately, was a bit of the issue for me, was just the, the screenplay structuring just really didn't work and he was so committed to using Jack Fincher's screenplay as it was written in memory and honor of his of his now past father, and that was his downfall, I think. Yeah, I think uh, if we learn nothing from the Simpsons episode, where Danny DeVito is the long lost brother of Homer Simpson, mm-hmm. and his love and affection for him ruins his career, <laughs> it ruins mm-hmm. his entire uh, auto uh, factory. And um, I think if we learn nothing from the um, Simpsons, learn that. <laughs> you you, you, you can't right. rely on your relatives to, you know, no matter what your devotion is. In theory, it was a great idea, you know, his father writing this beautiful screenplay and him wanting to do it justice. And and he was the only person that could bring it to life. And, and it sounds wonderful. And this idea of this homage to the real creator behind one of the greatest films of all time that all sounds so so great so excellent and a movie that i exactly and soon as it was announced david fincher says it came sign me up that that sounds exactly the sort of thing i'd be into and i was just i was so disappointed overall yeah yeah so was i I, um you know 
and the performances they did they you know i mean they, they brought in what they could but yeah anyway yep yeah uh all right so i i think maybe we should talk a little bit about the actual show itself because there are a lot of thoughts to be had about this show. Uh, Steven Soderbergh was brought in to produce the show, and right away he started giving interviews talking about how it's going to be more of a movie event and not an award ceremony, and people were scratching their heads. What does that mean? And the way talking about the setup and all this sort of stuff, and it was something, wasn't it? Certainly <laughs> that opening sequence uh, with Regina King walking in, was definitely, you know, I just expected to see George Clooney and, uh, you know, Matt Damon and the gang show up mm-hmm. to do, you know, Ocean's 14. You know, I mean, it had that great feel of her walking in and it had it had the Sonnenberg, even though that I don't believe he directed that, um, but it had that Sonnenberg feel to it. And I really, starring, I thought that was brilliant. I loved that. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is going to be unique and wonderful. Um, and it was for the first while, but and maybe because I, you know, get up at four in the morning and stay up and do work. By the time the clock was ticking towards ten, I was, I, you know, I actually said, uh, you know, for the first time, if I didn't have uh, something to do, like talk with Dakota about this the next day, I think I might just read about the winners in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it it wasn't able to hold me. And I think the breaking point for me was the uh, this song, uh, mm-hmm. nominated, not nominated, one or yeah, that was the trio. That was that was a failed bit of comedy, and uh, other than the Glenn Close sec, um, bit, which uh, Glenn Close kind of schooling him on uh, uh, on that on the song, um, if that was in fact real. <laughs> and not and not you know acted uh, that would have been brilliant. Uh, but as it was, it felt all very sort of pre done previously. So there was no spontaneity, except maybe her Glenn Close doing the dance. Yes, which yeah probably was spon- spontaneous and quite wonderful, and saved that bit. Just saved it. That's all. Yeah, her her energy and charisma saved that bit. But yeah, for the for the most part, it was. I wouldn't say it completely fell flat, but it definitely was awkward and, and sort of sucked the energy out of the room a little bit. Absolutely. Even though I really did like the bit about uh, uh, the Purple Rain song, and then, mm-hmm. you know, well, that's a great song, so it probably was ignored. <laughs> you know, it was good, <laughs> kind of. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I like that punchline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked it too. Um, I hope it wasn't pre-planned, but it did make me realize that there was no comedy in this show last night you know there was no funny musical number that and they could have pre-recorded that but you know i guess the decision to go without a host which seemed to please my wife a great deal she thought that was great um always confirms to me that we need a host as someone who was a host of the show that people kept saying this show could be hostless um <laughs> i always support the host mm-hmm yeah, yeah, it's tough because I know it's it's the most thankless gig you can do where it doesn't really help your 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 career if you host the Oscars, but it can definitely hurt your career. Yeah. Uh so 
I can see why a lot of people are really hesitant to want to be able to do it. But uh, yeah, I, I hope they eventually go back to the host format. I think it's now the, the second year in a row that they haven't done it and probably about the third or fourth time in the past decade that they haven't had a host. Mm. Well, the host, adds, you know, I'm always disappointed that the host doesn't actually have more to do um, and that the, the host disappears at, mm-hmm. at some point. And uh, I, I've never liked that. I think the host should remain like they did back. I've never seen these episodes, but I, I understand like when Bob Hope did it and uh, um, those, those kind of and guys where they were there throughout um, and they brought the comedy. They, they can have a quick snarky remark to something that happens. They respond to, you know, an event, an event, you know, or, or an occurrence. Uh, and it really adds a, a richness and a tone to the whole show. Uh, I know a lot of people say no to that, um, but uh, I don't know if they're really, truly Oscar night fans like I am, you know, uh, and and want that. But there was no there was no comedy. Um, and I always like the bit like uh, where they take like when David Letterman, who I think people sort of hold up to as one of the biggest failures as a host. Not in my books. I thought David Letterman was fantastic. I just think people didn't get him. But when Letterman does the auditioning for uh, uh, the Cabin Boy show and all and all people doing auditions for different movies, like little jokes like that, it could have been done. Um, and uh, I, they didn't. Uh, I, so I mm-hmm. missed that. I missed the comedy of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree, and and hopefully they they are able to do something a little bit better next year and, and learn from this as well. Because overall, the entire ceremony felt very serious, and and that seems to be a general complaint was it just seemed so serious and so dour. Yeah, there was a lot of that, um, you know, and sometimes that was really the honesty of that was really sort of appealing when uh, Regina King said that if things had gone differently, I might've been in marching boots today. You know, those are very powerful statements. And one of the, the you know, during the uh, guess what song was nominated, you know, the, the uh, I forgot the name of the dude that, that did that. Um, he also did. A little Ray Howery. Yes. You, you heard a mumble uh, and you probably caught it. This is the blackest Academy Awards ever, you know? Uh, and that was great, you know, and that, that really was so I did look there around and I did think this really the, the tipping point has really, you know, turned or the turning point has, has come about. And it was lively. It was exciting. It was the kind of politics I like to hear, uh, which is really if you like the show or not, it depends on what your politics are. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for that, it was really wonderful. And I forgot, it was, wasn't Regina, Regina King who said, um, uh, I know people hate when artists start preaching, start preaching, you know, and I know people say, you're an actor. What's, you know, why is your opinion? You're a director, you're a writer. Well, I think actually, if you are an artist, your job is to convey what is going on in the world and translate that into something that is understandable, to something that can be grasped and uh, looked at in a different way. Just like Promising Young Woman isn't about a woman who hates men. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about the effect of that kind of trauma and the persecution that happens continually and how that weighs on someone. So an artist is absolutely capable uh, and the right person to speak politics. 
because they interpret what they see. Maybe some of them don't have that, and maybe some of them are just movie stars and don't really take in the rest of the world the way they should. But you know what? The majority of them are thoughtful, uh, interesting people with a voice and a, <clears throat> and a place to, to express that voice, and they should. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, I want to touch a little bit about the, I would call it, uh, putting it nicely, the awkward presentation order. So normally, you know, the show starts, they want to get people engaged right away. So they do a couple of the bigger awards. They'll usually do the supporting actor nominations. They'll probably start out with the 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 more popular uh, below the line categories and then they'll get more into technical and then they'll wrap ramp back up to the bigger awards towards the end of the night, ending with best picture. But of course, all that seemed to be thrown out the window where we had best director about halfway through the show when, when Chloe Zhao won that, it was, oh, okay, so I guess we know who's winning best picture now because it's not always the case where best director and picture line up, but more often than not, it's a pretty safe bet to assume if someone wins best picture, that same movie's going to win best uh, picture as well. And then of course, doing best picture third to last with the two acting lead acting awards at the very end, where you're just basically throwing out the window, you're there to celebrate the best picture of the year. Everything else is basically superfluous at that point. Why are you doing that? And I understand why they wanted to do that, but boy, did that not work. And it absolutely backfired on their face when Anthony Hopkins ended up winning best actor over Chadwick Boseman, which was clearly their intention was to end on a tribute to him. Right. Uh, it's interesting. I wasn't as disappointed with that. I, I, I'm hearing your points and your and your reasons for that and, and would say that, yes, those are all very legitimate. And it probably is the, um, the take that most people have on that. With me, you know, uh, I always sort of welcome change and I welcome the, the, the you know, the audacity to do something different after 93 years. Could you imagine <laughs> Could you imagine the 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 the, the um, whatever room they sat in separately from, or whatever Zoom line they were on when they were discussing this, and someone had the audacity to say, "Let's not do best picture last after ninety three years." So I admire the fact that they tried it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it failed or succeeded, I, I I'm probably still mired, not admired, but mired in the uh, whole idea that someone had the guts to change it. Uh, so when that settles down, when my, uh, you know, when my respect for uh, uh, tipping the cartwheel, apple cart? Yeah, don't tip the cartwheel. Uh, tipping the cartwheel, I did it again. Tipping the apple <laughs> cart over, um, that takes guts. And, and, and uh, so, me, you know, once that settles, maybe I'll go, yeah, that wasn't the best choice. But I'm glad they tried it. Uh, absolutely glad they tried it. Um, but it did have me, because I'm taking notes during this, and it did have me, when they announced Best Picture, I went, what the heck? Who's Best Actor then? And I must have missed something. And so I, I, during that time, I'm sitting there frantically trying to figure out what it was I missed. How did I miss Best Actor? Until it dawned mm-hmm. on me that uh, they switched the order. I'm not mm-hmm. as quick as you, Dakota. I didn't figure it out right away. <laughs> I, I almost missed a couple of awards by having to run to the bathroom during the very, very short commercial breaks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. What did I? Yeah. I, I left at one point to do whatever. I don't know what it was. And, uh, but I think it was during a, a, um, an award that I was lukewarm interested in. So 
And I won't say which one that was because A, I can't remember, <laughs> and B, that would be nice. That's fine. That's fine. But yeah, I felt I felt there was a little bit of, I don't want to say Soderbergh wanting to play God a little bit, but in the way he was, if, if we are pinning whatever success or failure on the show, we are pinning it on Soderbergh because he seems to be at least the one that wants to be the most vocal for taking credit for things, which obviously it's an entire committee that is approving or making any of these decisions. But Two things sort of irk me. One, you know, doing doing the actors at the end, especially best finishing on best actor with it really seemed like they were hoping that it would be a nice, beautiful, touching tribute to to Chadwick Boseman. But then also having Riz Ahmed present the best sound award, which we all kind of knew going in, Sound of Metal is definitely winning best sound. Like not only was it the best of the year, you could put it up as maybe one of the best sound films ever made uh-huh. and it just it just really felt like oh okay so you knew ahead of time what it was going to win and you're just going to anoint it and it just it just felt a little greasy to me yeah 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 that that whole thing uh, uh, and even not being on stage uh, mm-hmm. what did you think of that because it, it really it if you know when you saw daniel having to turn around to look at laura dern uh, if that felt awkward, um, and there was a time with Chloe Zhao as well, when I think it was during the best director nominations, when they were announcing that she was looking at the presenter announcing it. And then the person beside her was trying to like tap her to be like yes. the camera's over here. And she's yeah. looking awkwardly and turns back to face the presenter because that's what you do. You, you face the person that's talking. <laughs> yeah. 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 And she was really, compl- you know, like bothered. You could tell she was annoyed by that. Uh, yeah. because, uh, she didn't want to be tapped and told to look the other way. This was her moment. And, you know, let her, let her look to whatever direction she wanted. Yeah, that, that was an awkward moment. Uh, there was several awkward moments like that. Of course, the biggest one in my mind is uh, Daniel's uh, mention of his parents having sex. Yes. <laughs> Only macro. The, and, and the look of pride uh, just completely left his mother and sister's face. He completely... Yeah. It wasn't, they didn't react like, oh my God, Chad, you're in bed. They, they were astounded. The mother actually, you could see her going, what the hell is he talking about? Like, you know, that was, I felt bad. And I, and I thought about that even this morning. I thought, so what was the conversation? The conversation wasn't, congratulations, Daniel, this is great. The conversation, what are, what are you talking about? It just, it completely mm-hmm. robbed the moment. Because he was great yeah. for a long while. He went on too long. But he was great for a while. The other one, which wasn't as obvious and was kind of cute, is uh, the little uh, the little boy in Minari. Everything you could see him in the audience on his game as people walked by. He got his game. <laughs> I guess it was cute, uh, but uh, yeah, that that I noticed a lot. Mm-hmm. Speaking of speaking of the Daniel Kaluuya speech, I feel like there was a much more tactful way he could have said the exact same thing. Something like, thank you to my parents for meeting that one fateful day and, and having a family. Yeah. They're the exact same I'm thing. Like, you're still talking about your parents having sex, but you're not literally saying my parents had sex and I'm here. Yeah, yeah. But he, I think he was going for the laugh. Yeah, it was. It, it just yeah. was weird. It was weird. And, his, and, and the, his mother's response was not in any way satisfying. His mother's response actually meant, I thought, that boy is going to get in trouble when he gets on. You know, he's not, that's not, mm-hmm. She's not going to let that lie. I doubt. Mm-hmm. 
Now, you, you mentioned you thought that the at least one of the speeches was too long, but overall, it seemed like they were telling the award winners that they could take as long as that they needed. They weren't going to play them off the stage, but to read the room. So that was their subtle way of being like, you could take a long time, but please also be brief at the same time. Overall, I think that kind of worked because, you know, there was a few times when there would be multiple winners that would go up on stage. And then the second the one person was done, they would start playing music. And so that was a little awkward a couple times, but for the most part, when it was an individual person going up and allowing them to go up, say the story that they need to say about what it means to them, but then also thank the important people behind them. I think that worked out wonderfully. And that way they weren't just rush being like listing every agent and publicist that has ever worked for them. And then, you know, they don't get the chance to actually tell a story of what the award means to them. I absolutely agree with you. Um, it was at sometimes it was awkward for me. I thought, uh, you know, Daniel's speech became awkward. And I thought he I knew when he reached the end and he kept going uh, and then ruined it, uh, in, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, most of them were were so good. And it was wonderful to really hear what they had to say, even when they rambled a bit uh, and yeah. rambled uncomfortably. That uncomfort uh it, it comes from a place of being thrilled and happy uh so is it really a discomfort it's it's more of a um uncertainty but a, but a pleasant uncertainty and when they find their their stride and, and they get it and they get to say what they want um particularly when they they are actually um sincere in in what they're saying as opposed to saying what they think sounds good uh, there was one person that came up and said um, something, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the octopus teacher. Uh, well, that one it was 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 nice, uh, but when he started to talk about, you know, I think if, if you could befriend an octopus, you know, what else is there? It sounded a bit strange. He, it sounded as if he was talking, talking. Ooh, this would be a great way to. And that, uh, uh, you know, so when it when it was streamed like that, it didn't work. But then the like the Thomas Winterberg uh, moment it was beautiful. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful. And uh, I, I, I loved that. And I also loved to, to sort of say, you know, these are the two points I wanted to bring up when we when we heard the uh, this is the, the blackest Oscars ever, you know, having someone actually say that uh, and confirm it was really delightful for me. You know, because it was, and it, it looked like we reached a really great moment. But having Winterberg say, I'm surprised I won, because let's face it, it's about four white, uh, depressed dudes <laughs> teaching kids to drink. You know? Yes. And, and as, a, as a, a member of the TFSA Toronto Film Critics Association, I could tell you that in the discussions of, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but I don't, you know, in the discussions we have with my colleagues, a lot of the concerns about that that movie was because it was about four white middle class dudes, uh, you know, who drank a lot and uh, didn't have a lot to offer the world. Um, which was the point. But I mean, I'm I'm glad Winterberg acknowledged that. I'm glad he said, mm -hmm. "Yeah, this is what the film's about. It's um, it's nothing exceptional other than." The exceptional quality of of what this film says and what it le le leaves you feeling with, and it doesn't have to be anything else. But he was surprised he won that. Um, uh, but his tribute to his daughter, which was just 
must have been heartbreaking. I don't understand, though, why the clip they showed from uh, uh, that movie, Another Round, was the very last scene in the film. Suppose, yeah. 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 I mean, I suppose it doesn't give away anything, but. You know I guess they just didn't it. want to have subtitles. All, all, <laughs> That's the only thing I could think of. Dakota, you're, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. yeah. But, no, but they had subtitles for other films. They? they did, yes. Yeah. Not not a lot, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think there was a trio of speeches that, that really hit the, the high mark as far as, you know, they allowed them to, to be a little bit more stream of consciousness, but tell a story and thank the people. And, and Vinterberg was one of them. The, the other two being uh, John Baptiste when he won for the score for Soul, which Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, you know, I'm sure people would love to hear from them. They've won before. They've talked before. John Baptiste, it's his first time up there. He gave a stirring speech about the appreciation of both music and arts teachers in schools and, and the effect that they can have on, on young people. It was beautiful. And then, of course, Yu Jung Yoon, who won for oh. support. After oh, yeah. Minari, who, you know, I know she was a, feeling a little bit flustered as far as feeling all the emotions and then trying to translate her thoughts from Korean to English, but it came out wonderfully. She she was probably the funniest person the entire evening, frankly. She really was. Uh, uh, and it, it, delightful and her, uh, you know, her um, starry-eyed affection for Brad Pitt was so cute. <laughs> Uh, did she say, because I didn't hear it, but somebody told me she said, did he say my name? You know, like I think this, she said something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's just a lovely thought and moment. Apparently, backstage in the press room, uh, and I got this through a tweet, I think, by Norman Wilner. Uh, somebody tweeted this, that backstage, somebody asked her what Brad Smith, Brad Smith, Brad Pitt smelled like, because she got close. <laughs> And she says, I have no, I, I didn't smell him. I'm not a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope, that, I hope that story's true. But I did see Brad Pitt trying to keep the, the social distance there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was having none of that. She, no, she went she, right for his arm. Oh, for his arm. And I think eventually he just gave up. But he, I think he was charmed by her. He, by the way, is a good man, uh, you know, I think by Hollywood standards. I think Brad Pitt is a decent human being, despite his stardom, despite some of, you know, his reputations for, or past reputations for drinking and other things. But um, so it wasn't, it wasn't distasteful or uncomfortable to see her get all starry eyed over him because you kind of get it, right? You know, and uh, he, I think he responded in kind. He was just very kind and gentle with her. Not that he shouldn't be. I mean, of course he should be. But it was just a real wonderful, authentic moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and I think it's we, we should absolutely note the fact that, that Chloe Zhao becomes the second woman to win Best Director, which is an absolute shame that there's only been two. Mm-hmm. And also the first woman of color, which is uh, such a, a huge honor for him, for her. And I am so happy that she ended up winning this. But I, I loved the diversity of the Best Director Award, the nominees in general, because it, we had... We had two women, two women. We had, uh, uh, and then we also had a non-English man as well. So you know, Vinterberg being from Denmark, so it really made that category a whole lot more interesting and diverse. And and hopefully that's something we can look forward to in the future. I don't really know as far as like I was saying, it went to include Spielberg and the Andersons and all those people, but it was beautiful for one night. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And, and, and let's, let's, let's be positive about this. Let's assume that people are going to look at this and say, let's take the best part of this and incorporate it from now on, you know, um, because it really, you know, it, you're right. The range there was beautiful. Um, the, it's maybe because it was a small crowd, smaller crowd, but also because I think of the diversity that there was less of a feeling of, I'm not, I don't want to say glamour. It certainly wasn't as glamorous as other seasons, but uh, other years, but it was, it was, there was an element of it that was just like the attitude was gone, you know, that, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it had more of a, 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 I don't know if you'll know what I mean when I say this, but I'll give it a shot. It had a more Patricia Arquette feeling than a Meryl Streep. Yes, no, I, I understand what you mean by that. Yeah, when, when she won her Oscar, it, it felt very different than when, when Meryl Streep wins her Oscar. Yeah, Oscars. and that's not a slight against Meryl. You know, I nope. mean, Meryl, Meryl's in a category, but Patricia Arquette just sort of seemed to, you know, read off her notes. I mean, it was just, it was, it, it was, a, it was a pared down sort of uh, uh, um, image of stardom. Quick mm-hmm. Patricia Arquette story. So I was a very young man. She was a very young woman. And I forgot what movie it was, uh, but I went to see it at the festival. And uh, I swear, uh, anyway, I went up to talk to her afterwards just because that's what you did at the festival. And I got an opportunity to say hi. And I swear we connected. I swear that that moment there was like the music and the magic and everything was about, but, you know, she got swift, you know, taken away and our love affair never happened oh i'm so sorry to hear that no i i ended up meeting the love of my life shortly after but, uh, <laughs> so, but yeah i've always thought patricia and i it could have been uh, it would have been what, what over by been? now because no you know she'd have moved on to somebody else like i don't know <laughs> nicholas cage i don't know who did she end up with? <laughs> uh yeah uh two two other sort of ceremony things i, I kind of wanted to bring up one was the lack of movie clips that were shown for the nominees especially for the for the actors that were nominated i thought was a real shame and i know that sometimes really bogs down the show and makes it longer but like Every time you, you talk about a movie, you watch a movie, and uh, you, you watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and go, oh, yeah, that, that's Viola Davis's Oscar moment. That's Chadwick Boseman's Oscar moment. You, you watch Sound of Metal, you go, yeah, that's Riz Ahmed's Oscar moment. And you know that's the clip that they're going to show when they're announcing them. And we didn't get that. And, and I know it's, it's very trite to be able to, to boil it down to what's their most emotional scene, and, and that's the one they're going to be remembered by, or that's the one that's going to win the award. But at, at a certain level, you kind of want to be like, yeah, that, that's why I like that movie. That performance really hit the spot. And they mm-hmm. didn't do that. They did with some, yeah, but not, not overall. And I did miss that. Um, I think the issue is, did I miss it enough uh, for, for me to um, demand that it comes back? Because <laughs> they wait to hear what I demand. Um, <laughs> I'll sick Patricia Arquette on them. Um, they... Um, <laughs> Then if they do it, then, I mean, you kind of have to do it for, you know, costumes. These are the costumes Mm -hmm. and show them that. And I do think with all those clips, it becomes bogged down. Um, 
So part of me, maybe it was because I was exhausted, uh, you know, and I was thinking, okay, I hope this doesn't go to midnight. Um, and it didn't, but um, maybe I was kind of rushing it along a bit. So I didn't miss it as much as I could. I did notice it was gone. And I did notice that, you know, they did it for Best Actor and they did it for Best Actress, right? Correct? Best actor no, they didn't. Oh, oh, yes, you're right, you're right, you're yeah. right. They did, they, they did it for the lead actors, but they didn't do it for the supportings. No, that's what I remember, yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe, maybe you make this kind of executive decision, that you do it for Best Picture, uh, you know, or, or, you know, you do it for the visuals, well, Best Picture because it's the King Award or Queen Award, mm-hmm. whatever. It is the award. And um, then you do it for performances because that, as you suggested, matters. And then hopefully everybody else will understand and not, you know, demand equal time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I think the only other one ceremony bit I want to kind of call out a little bit is the In Memoriam yeah. video. It was a bit of an, an awkward song choice. You know, obviously that, that segment usually really drags and kind of changes the tone and the atmosphere of the show, where it's a, a really long, slow, drawn out ballad, which understandably, when you're talking about people who pass away, you don't want a nice chipper number as the Stevie Wonder song that they chose kind of was. And also... The video was so rushed where, you know, the beginning, you, you go, oh, Cecily Tyson, oh, and so-and-so, oh, yeah, I remember they passed. And then once they started getting to the people who, who work behind the scenes, I couldn't even read their names. They were flashing by too quickly. It was too quick. And I and I was watching the tweets. Uh, one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter is Norm Wilner from Now Magazine. He's got a, a, a great sense of humor. And, uh, and so I was following him, uh, and he was talking about how much he appreciated the music choice, or at least he was sort of edging around the idea that maybe this was great. And I understand that that, that you might want to take these these uh, in memoriams and and make them a celebration of their life, as mm-hmm. opposed to something. Oh my God, this is sad. And, and um, that was a nice. I don't think it worked. Uh, Norm Wilner was betting, hedging his bets that it was. Uh, so. I, I I don't know. My feeling was exactly like yours. It went too fast. And uh, the music, although I do think it's a good idea to maybe try something that's not somber somber, and try something that is celebratory. Uh, and uh, what, what was that? Uh, what song did they play? Isn't what? It was a Stevie Wonder tune. What song? It was. It was called As. Yeah. And, and I, I was listening to the lyrics to see how it worked. And it did kind of, but there was something mm-hmm. about the, 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 the movement of the uh, video and the timing of the music and the beat of the music that felt like it was out of sync. Mm-hmm. Not just emotionally, but it, you could almost sense that if their lips were moving, that, that, that it would be, wouldn't be in time to the, to the words you were hearing. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I do. I do like the idea of maybe making it more of a celebration and, and not uh, let's depress the hell out of everyone at home and in the audience. Mm-hmm. But it, it just it just slightly did not work. It started out kind of okay when they were, were taking a little bit more time and showing the images. But then as soon as they start rapid firing going through them all and, and the, the beat was picking up in the song, it just completely lost me where it's like, it's hard to care at that point. You're right. I, I almost thought that uh, my daughter was listening. To music and and that was seeping in you know except <laughs> she would never listen to stevie wonder sadly but um the, you know it didn't sound like it belonged there mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, all right. And now I think the the last sort of thing I, I kind of want to hit on is, is interestingly enough, it sort of seems we're now past the age of these super dominant films winning everything. I'm perfectly fine and, uh, and of the, the, the mindset that one movie does not often do the best in every category and does not deserve to win eight, nine, 10 Oscars. I'm fine with not having another return of the King or Titanic or Ben Hur winning 11 Oscars. I'm fine with that. And so Nomadland only winning three Oscars and that being the big winner last year, Parasite was the big winner with four and then everyone else getting two or one Oscars. I'm totally fine with that. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I've never, I've never thought that that there, you know, the sweep is always sort of a confusing concept to me. Um, it does sort of speak to people's passion of a certain film and how, how that sort of affected, um, you know, their, their viewing of it and, and where it'll you know stand in history. But other than winning a whole bunch of awards and sweeping of the, re, of the only real gain of that is that you become a trivia question uh, at some mm-hmm. point. And, um, you know, perhaps maybe there's a financial gain, there's bragging rights, whatever. Um, I'm also keenly aware, the older I get, that uh, the celebratory feel the, that you, the, 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 the love we feel for the actors that win uh, or who did really, really great on, uh, on stage or delivered a really good speech is gone by the time we get to the next, next mm-hmm. Oscars. So a sweep doesn't matter. A sweep will be forgotten um, uh, mostly uh, until the, till the next year. Uh, and I also at the same time don't say that, well, I, I don't like voting um, be, in the way that says, well, we already gave them three awards. So let's not give them one more. I, I think you got to vote with, with completely with your, your, your heart and soul on this uh, to the film that you think should win an award. And if that means one sweeps, okay. Um, but I don't think it's essential. Mm-hmm. It, it almost seems more and more that, especially with, with this year, it seemed like a lot of the, the films had people involved that were nominated in multiple categories. So we take Nomadland with Chloe Zhao. She, she was individually nominated for four awards. She was a producer on the film, so she got Best Picture. She directed, obviously. She wrote the screenplay. And she also was the film's editor. And, and so That's she could have... Yeah, so she could have walked away theoretically with four Oscars. And when I was making predictions, I was not expecting No Man Land to sweep everything. But normally, the Best Picture one kind of sits above the rest as far as the, the number of total awards it gets. And so I was putting it down for for both uh, film editing and uh, cinematography. It should have won cinematography, in my opinion, but that's besides the point. But just because yeah. this idea of yeah, No Man Land is probably going to win four or five, maybe six awards. So what are the ones that are most likely at that point as well? And they seem to really be spreading it around. Emerald Fennell was, was nominated for two awards. She won her screenplay, but she didn't win for director. Um, Florian Zeller was nominated for a couple of awards himself, too. And so it, it really did seem like they, they were trying to maybe spread the love out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that might have been uh, sort of a prerequisite for them in their voting. Um, but, you know, they don't vote in uh, groups, right? They don't vote in a no. single room. So, you know, presumably it's an individual choice unless they call each other and and, and discuss it. But, yeah, uh, I did think, you know, can I just say one of my surprises in the film, I mean, in in last night's events, was uh, Tyler Perry. Uh, Because 
uh, I, I cannot put together in my mind the man I saw on stage who delivered that passionate sort of um, selfish, selfless speech, you know, with the movies I see or mm-hmm. have not seen because I haven't been able to get through any of them uh, of Tyler Perry's movies. And this is this is a this is speaking to ignorance now, my ignorance. Tyler Perry, Perry Studios, Ty, Tyler Perry successes. I had no idea that this man uh, achieved so much. I just thought he was. I thought I I was classing him as kind of the Pauly Shore of, of films <laughs> that has all these films that kind of just come in. And I try to watch them. I try to watch Boo. Couldn't get through it. Um, and yet, when he got up there and he made the speech, and you heard what he did, and you hear that he came. You know, homeless, with almost without shoes. I think he said his shoes were decrepit, whatever. And the and the the lessons he's learned from his mo- mother and how he's uh, what he's achieved so far. How old is he? He's, he's in his what forties. He's probably around that age. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I okay. So my ignorance on Tyler Perry was really da- you know smashed, broke, um, and I'm glad it was. I I look at the man differently. I don't know. We're uh, where are you in the Tyler Perry camp? No, I, I'm completely in the same boat. I've I've only watched from start to finish one Medea film, and that was probably over a decade ago now. And I thought it was just about the worst thing I've ever watched. The only other thing I've seen him in was in Gone Girl, where he was absolutely fantastic. Yes, as the, Gone Girl, yeah. The skeezy lawyer does a fantastic job at that. But other than that, every time I see one of the trailers for for one of his films. I'm not his target audience. And then it's, it's so interesting. So he, he just someone who just absolutely occupies no amount of space in, in my nonstop stream of consciousness thinking about movies. I think about movies all the time and what people are doing and working on all this sort of stuff. I never think about Tyler Perry, except for the time where one of his movies comes out and you look at the box office report and you're like, wait, I didn't even hear about this movie. How is this the number one movie in the United States? And then it disappears the next weekend. But like, it seems like clockwork every single time he releases a movie. He's got this really dedicated fan base that come out in droves. It's mostly church groups that will like book entire theaters for a weekend where they just do showing after showing after showing. And it's made him this powerhouse, but he's almost completely invisible to the rest of the movie industry. And it's shocking. Okay, so it's not just me. Uh, no. Like I thought, am I missing something? But when I try to watch Boo. Because I thought, okay, you know, it'll be as kind of a spoof of horror films. I'm going to enjoy this. The first, whatever, with the with the with Tyler Perry dressed in a, a, a you know a grandma outfit, you know, I think it's him. Uh, and mm-hmm. and the dialogue was just so forgettable, and, and not just forgettable, but annoying. Um, mm-hmm. But you're what you say. I'm not the target audience, um, and I'm surprised church groups are the target audience. Maybe they just want to support his. Um, his cause, but you know what? For whatever his feelings are, in my you know, for, in my limited view, whatever his feelings are as a filmmaker, he makes up for in other ways. And I hope his foundation is as sincere as they made it appear to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and but his his speech was motivating and heartfelt. Um, and you know, it just I mean, I, he he said something about judgment in his speech and he said one day we're you know i wish we had time to talk about judgment and then he just let that go and i thought you're absolutely right because my judgment with this dude 
was way off. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're right. Yeah, I, I, I would, I really, I sincerely hope that the uh, stats and statistics and stories that they, they they pulled about his humanitarian work that that earned him that Oscar are all accurate. Because if that's the case, he might be one of the most selfless, you know, big wigs in Hollywood. Because you know, it's very easy for for once you get to that status level of owning your own studios and things like that, where it's just easy to throw some money at a charity and call it a day. Yeah. But building a studio and employing the people that he employs and giving the work opportunities and training people that want to be involved, but don't necessarily have an avenue to get involved in the film industry. That's, that's worth more than whatever you can boil that, that Oscar statue down and sell it for. And yeah. I, I agree with you, Dakota, a hundred percent. I am now, um, maybe almost willing to uh, watch a full Tyler Perry movie, a Medea movie, <laughs> just to support his foundation, just to, you know, and that feels like it could be, you know, my, at least my contribution to the cause. Mm-hmm. You know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, what I'll do is I'll rent it on iTunes, but not watch it. So he still gets the money, but I don't have to sit through it. I know. I know. Uh, are we being cruel? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we are. <laughs> Uh, Tom, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom, your stories, especially the Patricia Arquette one. That's an all timer. I I really appreciate it. Um, What is the best place for people to follow you and and find your work? Okay. I always tend to forget um, what my, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter. I think it's just at real Tom Ernst. I hope that's it. Um, I've never, you know, it's like not knowing your own phone number because you never have to call it. (laughs) <laughs> so that's good. And can I just take a moment <clears throat> to tell you about a new website that I've started? Um, and it, and it's and I'm really hoping to. Uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't really found what my um, what's you know, uh, you know my, my uh, mission statement yet, and I'm still looking for it. And um, I have a, a website called Outside Voice, and it's intended for um, people who have uh, experienced either first firsthand or um, otherwise through family members, etc. You know, the effects uh, and trauma of sexual abuse, particularly in males. But, um, you know, the site is designed so that it's a, it's a safe place, whether you are transgender, uh, however you identify, whether you're a woman, you know, or otherwise, you know, please come. If this is something that you can relate to, it's www.outsidevoice.info. That's my new website. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it's, it's, it'll grow. I'm hoping people will look at it. People will be able to relate to it. Um, I hope people contribute to it, not financially. I'm talking about just contributing their voice. And, uh, I also will put out there that if you are someone that is interested in getting involved in in getting this message out there, uh, of support, please let me know because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, bang out a mission statement i'm trying to figure out where this can go and i'm trying to figure out where it could be best utilized so outside voice dot info awesome i will make sure to absolutely plug that and leave that in the show notes and and i really do hope people check that out because that is a a phenomenal thing that you're doing and and congratulations thank you very much for sharing thank you uh and dakota uh this may be only the second time or third time i'm on your show Um, this is the second time yeah, I, I love being on this show. Yeah, you're, oh. I, yeah, I, I, I love your attitude. I love the, uh, 
I love your interaction and the back and forth that you, you offer. And uh, uh, so please I'll keep me in mind for whatever uh, little thing you have that pops up that you want to chat about. Oh, of course. I, I absolutely need to have you back on your, your terrific guest. And, uh, and I really do enjoy talking film with you. Great. That wraps up our Oscar coverage for this year. It's the end of our sixth season. We're off next week, but we'll be back the following one with our hot docs coverage and the return of Rachel Ho. I want to thank all of my guests and everyone that contributed to the show this past year. I ended up producing a whopping 44 episodes this season. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod, and let us know what you thought about the Oscars. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music, and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you can rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts, it will be a huge help for us to grow and find new listeners. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 